Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone out to the services this morning. I especially like to thank the leadership here. Hey, there's Kyle. For giving me the opportunity to be here. It's always great to uh, visit and fellowship with, with our, our brothers and sisters. And, you know, I um, recently we lost my, my father-in-law. He was an elder there at our, at our church there at La Prada. And um, my partner, I work robbery and homicide there in Mesquite. My partner, I, we've been partners for about 16 years, so he's come to a number of uh, events there at the church and he came in and, and as always he, he left he goes man it is always amazing to me he's a music minister in the Baptist church there in Canton he goes it's amazing to me how close y'all's family are uh, family is and, and it really is and it's always amazing to me when I when I go out of town and I walk into a church and, and it feels like old times and seeing old, old, old friends and faces and again we appreciate the uh, the invite and, and plan to have a great day today for those of you that don't know me, my, my name is Sean Hanley. That's my wife, Lori, there, and my daughter, Emma. We have a son, Ethan. He's, at, uh, he's in College Station at school. He graduates here in a month or so. Uh, I mean, in a semester, I'm sorry. Uh, Emma is, uh, attends TWU. She still comes home for church, but uh, she is starting the nursing, uh, nursing school, I guess, next semester. So somebody asked me a while ago how it feels to have kids so old, and I said, broke. That's about all I feel. <laughs> That's about it. Not too long ago, I, uh, I left robbery and homicide and actually went back to patrol for a couple of years. I was going to have a vacation my last few years and just kind of ride it out easy. And I was told last month I'm going back upstairs, back into detective work. And I'm working for a guy, his name, my sergeant's name is Kevin Rao. Rao has an interesting story. About five or six years ago, his daughter, who was attending Texas Tech at the time, uh, was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Uh, Rao and his, uh, his wife attend the Church of Christ Aaron Kaufman, and uh, it's just east of, of Dallas there. Uh, but was, what was interesting about Kevin and his wife Carrie is, is how devout they were in their church and how their faith just never wavered during that whole time. It, it, was, it was a miraculous thing to see, very inspiring to me. This past year, their son, their last child, was involved in an accident and he too was killed. They have lost two children in the matter of about five years. And through that entire time, they've yet to lose their faith. They, faith, they continue to be very strong in their church. But you know, one of the things that always happens in a situation like that, especially around the department when you know, not everybody's real uh, devout in their church, they don't understand things like that, and questions arise. Questions like, how are they going to make it? How can they wake up and go to work? By the way, Kevin was at work the next week. Didn't surprise me at all. But all the questions that people are asking because they're, they are worried and they are concerned. And quite frankly, it's natural to sit there and wonder how we can deal with something such as that. And ultimately, those questions that, that I've heard, and again, are, are probably natural, but they seem to come up during catastrophic events or, or trying or, or, or rough times in our life. Questions that arise from Christians and non-Christians alike. And that's why. Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God allow so much suffering? Why them? Man, they go to church. They believe in God. This is how they pay them back. What kind of God would do that? Brethren, we, we live in rough times right now. I will tell you, we live in a, a society where 
at least twice in the next month, I will be going to churches and teach how to prepare for active shooter plans and work on their security. Alyssa, Scott, Martin, Nicholas, Aaron, Jamie, Chris, Luke, Kara, Gina, Joaquin, Elena, Meadow, Helena, Alex, Carmen, and Peter. 17 names, 17 people. Those were the, the students killed in Parkland, Florida a year or so ago. Gunman walked in with an AR-15, set off the alarm, and started mowing people down. He started shooting, firing his rifle into crowds at least four different classrooms. When he was done, he went and ate a hamburger at McDonald's. A beautiful child, a wonderful man, gave everything for her community, active in her church, a hero, a role model, great soccer player, a funny kid, very outgoing. These are just some of the phrases that were used to describe some of these folks, students and teachers. But I can assure you, every one of those people had family and friends. Every one of these victims had people that cared about them and people that will miss them. There are people that will now have to figure out how they're going to wake up the next morning. As they interviewed family and fellow students, the inevitable question came up, and that's why. Again, they want to know, why today? Why in Florida at our school? Why so many people? Why me, Lord? Why would you allow this to happen? Why me? And I believe at one time or another, if you're, you know, if you're honest with yourself, you've had one of these moments. You've looked at God and said, why? I'm trying to do the right thing. Why are you making this so hard on me? I go to church every time the doors are open. I do what you ask me to do, and you still do this to me. Man, my neighbor don't even go to church. He's a horrible guy. Nothing bad ever happens to him. Again, be honest. Have you ever had one of those moments? One of those where you just sit there and you shake your head wondering, what have I done wrong to deserve this? I've had a moment like that. I remember I was interviewing a robbery suspect one evening. He had a criminal history as long as your arm. I mean, this guy had done it all. He was in his 50s, had been in and out of jail since he was a kid. He was a drunk and a drug addict. The reason he was robbing stores and people was to support his drug habit. He was a rough man that had lived a rough life. And is still in prison today, still living a long life in prison, but still alive. After I left work that evening, I went to the hospital and sat with my brother who was dying of cancer. Been in the hospital for four and a half months. Was leaving three kids behind. And I watched him sleep and I wondered why. Why would God allow this doper, now keep in mind I was a little upset, doper piece of trash, live a long abused life, and my brother won't get that chance. A man who dedicated his life to you and to the church, and you're going to take him? Let this other guy live? I don't understand. I don't get this one. Why me? Have you ever had a moment like that? Maybe you had, or maybe you, had, you didn't realize you had. You know, I pray you've never had anything traumatic enough in your life to get to that point, but good chances are you have. Unfortunately, most have had something in our lives that make us question why this is happening. I heard it put this way once as a guy I work with. He goes, man, I feel like God uses me as target practice sometimes. 2 Corinthians 11, if you'd like to turn there, starting in verse 16, 
I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak if not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. <clears throat> for ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach as, <clears throat> as though we had been weak. Howbeit whensoever and as bold I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure in prisons, more frequent in deaths of. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things there are without in which come upon me daily the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Paul of all people. Why Paul? You know what we're really thinking? Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Psalms 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Philippians 4 and 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And of course, Luke 12 and 22, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, which ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you that taking uh, thought can add to his uh, stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that, with, uh, that thing which is at least, why take ye thought for the rest? From these few verses and many more that we know, that we study and that we, we've heard all our lives, we know that God is with us and he's going to take care of us. We know that God is in control and we know that he is all powerful. So quite frankly, we start to get a little upset and we get a little aggravated. Knowing his awesome power and his control, God is choosing to make me suffer? God wants me going through these things? Why me? And that's our thought process. Why would God let or want all those things to happen to Paul? Paul turned his life around. He dedicated his life to spreading the gospel. Why Paul? God, explain this to me. I don't get it. God, if you're in control... Why do bad things happen to good people? I think ultimately bad things in general happen because we live in a world that was not originally the way God had planned it. 
we read about this in Genesis 3, and we're not going to take time to read the whole thing this morning, but if you remember the story, just prior uh, to this in the opening chapters, we know that Adam and, and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. It was a paradise. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no heartache and no death. As we read in chapter 3 of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. God responded. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. I think first and foremost, we have to realize where bad things come from. Bad things come from man's sin, not from God. Because of their sin, we live in a world where death is waiting for us one day. The loneliness at times, the sickness and the pain, the, the, the disease that we may face, that we must endure, they all come from man's sin. Was this man or is this God? How could a loving God let people get sick? How could he allow someone to suffer through a disease? How could he allow the two people killed and the 14 injured last night at Texas A&M Commerce? Is this God's doing? I heard it described this way. If you buy a new car off the showroom floor and you drive it out in the parking lot and you rear end someone, you don't then go blame the manufacturer. You take the blame. Your actions cause the wreck of that Ford. Brethren, the pain and suffering we endure today, the death that we will eventually face is due to sin. Now please understand I'm not debating on the, the original sin and passing through Adam's seed. It's a whole other topic in itself. I'm specifically talking about Adam causing sin to enter the world and as a result, death entered as well. Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Why, Lord? Why those young people? Ultimately, the answer is because of an event that happened in the garden. 2 Samuel 11, starting in verse 14, It came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass that Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew uh, the valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people, the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. If you remember the story, King David committed adultery with Uriah's wife. She became pregnant. When David found out, he formed a plan to bring this honest and, and loyal soldier home to reward him. He set it up so Uriah would come home and sleep with his wife. Everyone would then assume that it was his child. But we obviously know what happened. Uriah was a good man. He was an honest man. And he was loyal to his fellow soldiers. He said, I'm not going to come home and lay, lay in a comfortable bed with my wife while my soldiers are out there fighting. Well, since his plan failed, 
we come to the verses we just read. David had Uriah, an innocent man, doing his job. A man who did not deserve to die, who had done nothing wrong. A man who was loyal. And he was sentenced to death. Uriah was murdered to cover the sins of David. Brethren, sometimes bad things happen simply because of the sins of others. Why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen sometimes because there are people doing bad things. God gave us free will and we oftentimes abuse that. I see young people all the time who have no food in their cabinets, wearing soiled diapers, filthy clothes, because their mother's high on drugs. Sins of their mother. Again, my buddy Kevin, who lost his daughter because a young man drank too much and got behind the wheel of the car. Sins of others. Later lost his son. How could 17 people be killed in a school? Because of the sins of others. Sean, I get it, man. I understand it. Bad things happen because of sin. But why do they specifically happen to me? I'm one of God's. I'm one of His children. There was another man, a good man, that we're all familiar with. That was Job. Job had a lot of bad things happen to him. And if there was anyone that you could say was a good guy, it would be Job. The Bible says he was one of the most righteous men of his time. Ezekiel 14 and 14, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. That's pretty good but bad things happened to him. And one day he lost his wealth, his children, and the respect of his wife. How could God allow these bad things to happen to such a good man, such a righteous man? I think the first thing that we learn from Job is this. Tragedy is a part of life. Job 14 and 1, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Why do bad things happen to good people? Brethren, bad things are bound to happen to everyone. Everyone always wants to know what the future has to hold. I'm going to tell you this morning, while on, on earth, at some point in your life, your future will have some trouble. You will suffer hard and difficult times. And bad things are going to happen. Point blank, we were all born of woman. Everyone here, rich or poor, male or female, white, black, yellow, brown, young and old, you will have bad things that happen in your life. And I've got more news for you. Not only will you have bad things happen to you, your days will be relatively short. Whether you lived 100 or 50 or even younger. I think what is interesting, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is this. We continue to ask ourselves why bad things happen, why bad things happen to good people, why bad things happen to me. Why me, Lord? It's almost as if we're shocked bad things happen, that bad things actually occur. The fact is bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen to all people, good and bad. Job 5 and 7, yet man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. Brethren, trouble and bad times are inevitable. But we must also remember and meditate on this. 
John 16 and 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in, my, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Acts 14 and 22, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Brethren, we will overcome. We as Christians will get through these tribulations. Why me, Lord? That question has been around a long time. It's been asked many times, including by Job. And you know what I find interesting? And remember, I want you to understand, Job was a very righteous man. Far more than I am. A righteous man who asked, why me, Lord? Why are these things happening to me? If you'd like, turn to Job 10. And I'm going to kind of skip around here, but I'll be in Job 10. My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands? Down in verse 7. Thou knowest that I am not wicked. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Thou hast made me as the clay. Wilt thou bring me unto dust again? Come on down to 12. Thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. These things hast thou hid in thine heart. 15. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head? I am full of confusion. Therefore see thou mine affliction. Again thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Changes in war against me. Verse 19. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Before I go, whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness, into the shadow of death. Brother, you know what's going on here? Job is asking, why me, Lord? What have I done to make you so mad at me that I deserve this? Isn't that how we often feel? Why am I having to face these trials in my life? Why am I sick? Why has my family turned against me? What have I done to deserve this? We had these questions. Job had these questions. And you know what's interesting about the book of Job, about the story of this righteous man? The interesting thing is God does not give him a point-blank answer to his questions why bad things are happening to him. Job had an opinion about what was happening. His friends definitely had an opinion. It would have been very easy for God just to give Job a clear answer. It would be very easy for him to give us an answer. But he didn't. God remained silent. For 37 chapters, God remained silent, and he allows them to accuse him of being unfair and, and basically an unjust God. And finally, I guess God had enough, and Job gets his answer, an answer he probably wasn't prepared for, definitely not the answer he wanted, probably not the answer we want, probably not the answer we are prepared for. Again, I'm not going to tell you I was sitting in a hospital room and I just opened this and it magically was there. I knew what was in Job and I, I specifically opened it one night sitting in a hospital room with my brother. But you know, it's kind of like other verses as you mature as a Christian, I guess, or circumstances in your life change, those verses mean something different. I remember the, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but the first time you hold your son in church, that verse means something totally different. 
I opened Job that night in the hospital, and I read this chapter, and I'd read it before. I'd heard it many times growing up, but reading it in that situation was different for me. God had enough. He told Job exactly what he needed to hear, maybe not what he wanted to hear in Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job and of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that the darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretcheth the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break, it, uh, break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. And we're going to move on down in verse 12. Has thou commanded the morning? We're going to keep skipping down. Has thou walked in the search of the death? Has thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Declare if thou knowest it all. That thou shouldest know the path to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born? Or because the number of thy days is great, hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hell? By what way is the light parted? Who hath divided a water course to cause it to rain, one of whose womb came from the ice? Knowest thou the ordinance of heaven? Can thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou send lightnings? Who hath given understanding to the heart? Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion or feel the appetite for the young lions? Brethren, this goes on for the next four chapters. And God puts Job on trial. For the next four chapters, God comes down on Job like no other. And brethren, I'm here to tell you, he came down on me and he probably needs to come down on you when you're in that time in your life. I challenge you and trust me, it works if you haven't done it. The next time you begin to question God's intentions or his will, the next time you're on your knees praying and find yourself asking, why me, Lord? Brethren, I challenge you to go read those four chapters. Read all four of them. Read God's response to the question of why me? Why are these bad things happening? Basically, over four chapters, God reminds Job who's in charge. God reminds Job who the creator is. He uh, repeatedly asked Job, where were you when I was doing all these things? Where were you? When Sean asked God, why are you making me suffer? Why are you making me face this trial or tribulation in my life? God's asking me, who are you to question the Creator? Who are you to ask me such a question? If I told you you're not wise enough to understand, you cannot comprehend life and death. You cannot fathom the trials and the tribulations. Through God's little chat with Job, he ultimately got the answer to his questions, just not the answer he hoped for. And the answer is this. There will be things in life that happen. And there will be things that we're just not going to understand. Chapter 42, Job responds to his newfound revelation. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. 
Here's a little thing I continually tell myself when I just don't understand. When I find myself questioning why things are going on, when you're sitting in a hospital room with your brother or studying Job or whatever the case is, I always simply tell myself this. My God is just too wise for me to understand. His love is too awesome for me to fathom. And I'm not near righteous enough to question either one of them. You know, the problem with, I guess, modern Christian opinions and the story of Job is this. It goes against everything. It goes against everything that we hear in society. It goes against everything we think we want to believe. Popular opinion is the belief that God's main purpose is to make us happy. His main role is our health and our wealth. Brethren, God's concern is not necessarily our happiness, although He wants us to be happy. God's concern is not our wealth or our health. But we deserve these answers. Brethren, God's concern is your soul. And brethren, quite frankly, who are we to question that? This reality is a shock to some. And the problem is people look at their Christian life and their service to Him is what can I get out of Him? What am I getting out of this arrangement we got going here? It's business. It's checks and balances. If He's good to me, I praise Him. If something's wrong in my life, I blame Him. If He blesses me, I serve Him. If I'm going through trials, I do not. Is that us? Are you wishy-washy with your faith? Many times we look at a situation and if it goes our way, God is great. If we are faced with that setback, why me, Lord? How did Job respond? In Job 13, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Brother, again, there will be times that God doesn't give us an answer to the why. Quite simply because he doesn't owe us an explanation. But again, while God does not owe us an explanation, he may not always provide us the answer that we want. We can turn to his word and find general reasons that some of these things, <clears throat> some of these things are happening. And the bottom line, again, is due to sin. The problem is we want to blame God. He is the highest authority, right? Why not blame him? And we get the attitude of, hey, it's his ball game. It's his rules. So he's responsible for all the bad stuff that occurs. And again, that brings us back to sin. The sin of the world, the sin of others. And guess what? Our sin. Oftentimes we are facing bad things because of bad decisions that we make. We put ourselves in those situations. Man, Sean, my, my wife's about to divorce me. My marriage is a wreck. What well, might be because you're not leading your marriage the way God intended you to be. I'm about to lose my business. Did you make unchristian or selfish financial decisions? Brethren, there are times that we reap what we sow. And I guess another question we must ask when posed with why do bad things happen to good people? And that is what is your definition of a bad thing and what is your definition of a good person? The things going on in your life or others that are uh, considered bad may not be that way to God. For example, when we talk of, of death, we can go back to my friend Kevin. 
We see that situation, we think, man, that is horrible. That's bad. Why, Lord? But again, from God's eyes, is it really bad? Is it bad that He's welcomed home to His Heavenly Father? Is it bad that He walked the streets paved with gold? Is it bad that He's been reunited with His sister? Growing up, they always said those two kids were connected at the hip. You couldn't separate them. Maybe God wanted them back together. Brethren, what is our definition of bad? We're looking inside this little box that we call life, and we're not seeing the big picture that God has. Therefore, we can't understand something that we call bad. Not too many years ago, I had the opportunity to sit and study with a lady, um, and we completed the study. She decided that she would... She was going to accept Christ. She was baptized. And unbeknownst to me, when she was baptized, her family literally turned against her. She was dead to them. They literally struck her out of the family Bible. It was a horrible situation. It was bad. And I remember thinking, man, this is not right. She's a good person. Why does she have to give up her family to do what's, uh, what's right? Brother, she had a faith I could not comprehend. She picked up her cross and followed him like no other I have personally witnessed. I remember we read Matthew 10 and 35 for I am come to set a man at a variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. She said, let's get this done. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And we got that done, but I thought, man, this is tough. It's not right. That's bad, bad situation. Who would have thought a few years later she would be so active in the church today? Who would have thought she would have married an influential leader in God's kingdom? God got me on that one. You're too wise for me to understand. Your love is too awesome for me to fathom. And I'm not going to think I'm righteous enough that I can question either one of them. There was a game plan all along. I didn't see it. And God sure didn't have to explain it to me. Sean, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Or who shut up the sea with the doors? Sean, hast thou commanded the morning since the days? He didn't owe me an explanation. He didn't owe her an explanation. But brethren, God is an awesome God and he had a plan. We have to trust him and know he's got a plan. A plan that we may not understand and a plan that we may not comprehend. We talked about a few things that are true causes of bad things happening to people. Sin, sin of others, and our own sin. But brother, make no doubt about it, there is another influence when it comes to bad things happening. And when it comes to these evil things. And you have an enemy. And he's trying to trip you up. Satan is trying to get you at every corner. And at that time in your life, when you're at your weakest, when you're at your lowest... That's when uh, Satan's trying to get to you the most. Satan wants you to say, why me, Lord? Satan even helps you with the answer. You ever caught him doing that? He's sitting right there waiting to pounce. Why me, Lord? Because your God don't really love you. Why me, Lord? Because you're not one of His. Why is my child sick? (laughs) Because there is no God. Jesus says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Your Savior comes to give us abundant life. 
So my question to you this morning is this, who sounds like they cause bad things? I think we have a tendency to blame God for Satan's traits. John 12 and 31, Satan is described as the prince of the world. Ephesians 2 and 2, the prince of the power of the air and the one who is at work in the hearts of those who are disobedient. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the God of this world. Who brings the trouble to you? Obviously, we know Satan went after Job. We can read that. Brethren, he comes after us too. Of course, the question comes up, why did God let him go after Job? Again, all the people in the world, why me, Lord? Why Job? You know, Peter asked that question. Luke 22 and 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. One translation I read said, Satan begged to have you. Can you imagine Peter sitting there with Christ? Okay, here's the deal, Peter. Satan wants you real bad. If I'm, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, <laughs> good luck, buddy. I'm with Jesus Christ right now. You know, me and Christ are tight. I left everything to follow him. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Christ says, Satan wants you, Peter, and I pray your faith doesn't fail. That'd be a wake-up call. Why me, Lord? And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Did you catch what Christ said? Jesus said, Satan is going to come after you, and I prayed for you. Your faith will stand strong, and you will be converted. In other words, you will be transformed into something different, something stronger and better, a more mature Christian. He said, whatever you go through will produce something I can use. Someone that will strengthen your brethren in my kingdom. Are we getting this? Are we grasping this? Grasping what Peter was told? Peter, Satan is after you and he wants you bad. But at the end of this, you will be something that benefits me and my kingdom. Brother, maybe we're like Peter sometimes. Maybe as Christians, things happen to us so we can strengthen our brethren. We can strengthen God's kingdom. Folks, at no point were we ever given a promise of a trouble-free life. But I assure you there's a great comfort and peace in God's kingdom. Romans 8 and 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God did not tell us everything happens to us is good. He says that He can, that he can work even the bad things out and bring some good things from them. God often uses bad things and tragedies in life to deepen our relationship with Him and to help us grow in our faith. James 1 and 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Trials and tribulations and bad things, they often produce spiritual maturity and endurance. We become a more... A solid Christian and we lack nothing. There is great gain during tough times for the children of God. Why is this happening to me? Why me, Lord? How about this? This is what I do and, and it has seemed to work for me. 
Every time I feel this question coming on, every time I, I, uh, I want to call time out and ask God, God, what are you thinking? Why me, Lord? I remember that song. The accusation of why me, Lord, versus the song, why me, Lord, has an exact opposite approach to that phrase, doesn't it? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now that I know that I need you, so help me, Jesus. My soul's in your hand. Tell me, Lord, if you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you, maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. Why me, Lord? How about this? Why me, Lord? Why should you allow your son to come down here and suffer everything for a filthy person like me? Why me, Lord? Why should you give me the plan of salvation even after I've disrespected you so often? Why me, Lord? Why would you give me a beautiful wife and children when I so often fail as a husband and father? Why me, Lord? Why would you ever forgive a sinner like me? Because he loves you. Brethren, we have heartaches in our lives. We have pain and we have suffering. And I pray you understand that God does not enjoy seeing his children suffer. God is often heartbroken too. Your Savior wept at the death of a friend. He was moved by the pain of others. Your God loves you. But your God also sees a bigger picture that we cannot grasp. If God doesn't like bad things any more than we do, why doesn't He do something about it? Brethren, He did. He sent His Son. He sent His Son to endure more pain and suffering than you and I could ever understand. Our Lord and Savior knows your pain. He came to earth and He endured the, the very evil that harms us so we could someday escape that evil. And I want you to know something, especially when we hear of some of the things that go on in our society today. I want you to know that although it sometimes seems Satan is winning, he's not. When your Lord and Savior rose that third day, victory was ours right then. So what do we do? When tragedy hits, when something bad happens, this is, is our opportunity as Christians. This is an opportunity to teach people about God that pulls you through those tough times. It is a time to recognize the awesomeness of your God. Why me, Lord? Because you are His child. If you're here this morning and you like the prayers of the church or perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing.